Hello, Tune In listeners. You are listening to Tune In. It's radio for your mind, body, and soul. I am your host, Keila Parkinson. And today, of course, as always, we are talking about mindfulness. And we are so excited at the show to kick off season five with an amazing guest who is local to Northwest Indiana, has a plethora of experience that comes from so many different backgrounds and places, and is bringing mindfulness in uh maybe not overt ways, but in intentional ways to the corporate workspace, to the research field, um, to healthcare and consulting and all kinds of great places and spaces. And also, again, locally here in Northwest Indiana, as well as nationally and globally through all kinds of outreach. Please help me welcome Bushra Raymond. And I just said your last name wrong after we talked about it, didn't I? (laughs) Ramon. We just had a whole long conversation, listeners, right before we hit record on the vowels and everything. And then I was like, oh, I just did what I said I wouldn't do. <laughs> Come on. Okay, okay. Sure, welcome Don't to the, the show. Laugh. <laughs> and probably I'll be the one to mess it up again. Yeah, even though I know exactly what it feels like. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so, so Bushra, you, I'm going to read a little bit to our listeners of your bio, and then we'll talk about how you got to this place where you are today. So to listeners, Bushra has over 25 years of experience in pre and post award grant management. And we'll talk about what that means too, including 17 years at research institutions, medical centers, and universities. Her expertise includes establishing federally funded centers and programs, building relationships with sponsors and leading programs to stability and compliance, which if you are a big LinkedIn user, your, your attention is captured because you've heard some great buzzwords and they might be speaking your language. And if you're not, if you are a community listener who is like, hey, you know, what is the show about mindfulness? And you're hearing all this corporate ease, right? The language of the vocabulary of, of corporate and of research and of um, nonprofit, right? And specifically of grants, then um, then that might be something that it, it can be very esoteric, but people need grants for lots of reasons. So um, talk to us, Busher, about how you got to where you are, and then we'll talk about the language separately. <laughs> sure. Um, I kind of stumbled into it. So I grew up mm. in Michigan. My, my parents immigrated from Pakistan, and my dad could have had could have moved to any city in the country. Instead, he moves to a little rural community in Michigan where, you know, it's got a couple stoplights, you know, McDonald's, none of that stuff. Yeah. It's like, wow, the world is your oyster, but no, we're going to go a little <laughs> So I, I grew up in Michigan, and I somehow, you know, worked my way into working around Detroit side. Mm-hmm. I was working as a assistant director of a little community organization, And I was, you know, doing the bills, doing the budgets, things like that. But I didn't really realize what I was doing. Mm. Um, I moved to Chicago and I got a job at the University of Chicago. And that was where I first heard the words post-award, pre-award. And I remember my boss saying, um, my new boss at the university saying, oh, she's got post-award experience. And I was like, what's that? Well, in the grant world, before you apply for a grant, for whatever reason, whether it's to set up um, research projects, whether it is to set up food markets, before you get that award, it's called pre-award. Mm-hmm. It's pretty logical when you think about it. Right. So when, yeah, right. <laughs> when the funding gets awarded, we move into the post-award world. So pre-award, I used to um, 
I used to review applications that doctors were writing, doctors and researchers. So it was like MDs, MD, PhDs, and then um, just PhDs. Alone. So mm-hmm. the, and the division I worked for in the University of Chicago went all the way from like paleontology to obviously cancer and the, mm. the full-on research world of medical medicine. And um, so we used to review the applications and how to make sure there wasn't anything inflammatory, anything incorrect, mm. anything that might get us in trouble, making sure that everything we were reviewing or the doctors were promising were what the university could deliver. And it was, I got a great understanding of the importance of research. Mm. Without research, you're not going to have you're not going to have the world where we come up with the COVID vaccine. Right. Um, you're not going to have the world where we learn, hey, this is a food desert or this is a pharmacy desert. Yeah. You're not going to have that without collecting that data, which is usually what drives the research. Um, I'm not going to bore you with all the steps in research, that, that especially with the medical program. And but, you know, yeah. the importance of making sure what what we're doing is is safe for humans or animals um and and even more than that making sure what we did was effective in that research project so um i got a really great appreciation for research just mm-hmm. and when i started in in 1999 um the world was quite different back then it was the clinton administration there was a lot more emphasis on research. Um, there is historically, I don't know if they still say, but they used to say Democrats tend to spend more domestically mm. on research type of programs where Republicans do not. So, you know, after that, of course, we went into wars and, and the world changed quite a bit. But at that time, if you applied for four grants, you got one of them. So 25% mm. turnaround was great. It's far, far less now. Hmm. Um, we have so many other priorities in the world. Um, and, and other things that you wouldn't even expect, like in the recession of 2008 and 2009, right. a lot of endowments lost a lot of money. <clears throat> so yeah. they couldn't afford to give you money for research or they couldn't afford to give you as much. So it, it's really when you stop and realize, when you stop and think about it, you realize how much of what's happening in current events impacts something like research right and it's really very interesting so you know i did that for many years got promoted a few times and then i got then i started working on the post-award side which was managing the finance um making sure we were compliant Mm. and i found i really liked that more i liked that transactional act of bill comes in you pay the bill and at the end of your year, you got to close that out, that grant out, got to make sure it's compliant, make some reports to whoever sponsored your money, mm-hmm. way oversimplifying here. But, <laughs> right. Like, yeah. <laughs> so um, I work in more of the post-award side now, but the knowledge that pre-award gives you mm-hmm. for what happens in the post-award side is very, it's critical. Um People do their job without that one previous experience, but you do your job better after you know where, where, what's happening, what's going to happen downstream. Excuse me. Yes. Okay. I'm so sorry. I have to apologize because it's every transitional season is me having allergies. (laughs) 
Yeah. So, so I'm sad. <laughs> um, especially here in Northwest Indiana. Like, I'm going to say a couple of things that I love that um, about what speaks to you is like, um, you know, for a lot of people, that end of it, right, it's exciting to be able to capture the, the grant, right? There's a lot of like, that's where the glamour is. Like, we won this award, let's celebrate and everything. And then it can be like, okay, afterward, you know, compliance, right? That's the part that yeah. feels more dry to a lot of people in the grant world, right? Um, and it, I love how you're like, this is exciting because it is like it's black and white. There are certain things you're doing. There's like a sense of order from chaos to this, right? And yeah. um, being able, and it's highly fulfilling, I would imagine, to be able to say like, we met the compliance. We know we did. We have the data on that too, right? And like, and here are right. the outcomes. And I think the outcomes are amazing, of course, and to be celebrated. Um, but you know, there, I feel like the glamour and the glitz goes with like, the award, <laughs> you know, is that yeah. right or no? <laughs> yeah, there are some super prestigious awards out there that yeah. like are only given to genius physicians, mm-hmm. um, or they they've c- created some fabulous item, or just some test that breaks through so many barriers, or it's just groundbreaking. But it, it, the data, it, it, part of the compliance is finance compliance. You yeah. know, you weren't allowed to spend that; you didn't do it. But a bigger part of compliance is making sure human subjects, animals are safe, mm-hmm. but also making sure that um, the uh, that what you said you could do is done and your data is correct. Mm-hmm. Because the way research works is now another investigator will work off of your data. Yes. And take, and it, take it as fact, right? And <laughs> take it as fact, right? And, and I take it further. Yeah, and I think they want the ultimate goal. When I first started, I actually was like, oh, these doctors want to cure cancer. They worked in cancer, obviously. Yeah. And it occurred to me, finally I got it, that they want to cure or they want to find the answer to one little piece. Right. So they can build off of it mm-hmm. and find another little piece and find another little piece eventually with the hope of going all the way. Because research is very, very, very expensive. Yeah. So, so in order to do these large medical type of programs, you have to have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that money comes from the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some foundations like Gates Foundation, the Hartford Foundation. They give you big, big fund, funding amounts. But then there's a lot of little organizations that really get things started for you. So whenever I talk to my own clients about grants, I emphasize the need to collect data. Mm-hmm. Um even if it's like how many people showed up for your event, um, how many people said they were interested, maybe they didn't follow through, but all of this is data. Mm -hmm. And that's what you use to build off of. And, you know, we talked about, you were saying this earlier too, about how the data is what keeps us safe, right? Like this is the part that, um, you know, data obviously drives the money. It drives um, the information. It, it's part of what we're what we're looking for. It's the outcome that we're looking for, oftentimes, right? But it's yeah. it's there's a there are metrics for this all along the way, like you said, right? Checking to see like how are we spending, how are we keeping the people and the animals safe in the research part portions, right? How are we doing um, all of the checks and balances that make it yeah. so that we know for sure that this, you know, these are the outcomes, right? How are we double checking sure. our work, right? And and so the it's data is proof. so important. Yeah, it's your proof, right? Yeah, it's your proof. Yeah, it's your proof. Um, it could very well be that your data comes out that it's that such and such is harmful. Right. There's your proof. How is it harmful? And that's really the gold standard for 
researchers. Mm-hmm. The data that you you obtained, um, whether it supports a theory, whether it debunks a theory, um, but like I said, the, the building that happens after you get data, that's really critical because that's mm-hmm. the point. When you get funded, you get you want to have publications to show your data. And if somebody cannot build off your data, there's a weakness in there. Yes. And it might be somebody in Australia did the research, but somebody in the U.S. is now going to do the next step. Um, But it is a very, you know, the saying takes a village. It's a very large village in the world to do that. And, and, you know, we tend to go think more of the medical sciences, but um, I was a part of a community organization here locally and we got a grant for from the USDA to build, um, to start, uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, oh, I'm blanking all of a sudden. To yeah. start, uh, gar- not gardens, but um, food, de- oh, dealing with the food right. desert. Yeah. Right, yes. food markets. Sorry. Yes, food that's markets. okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, food markets, because we identified areas that had, food deserts within certain mileage so there's no access to food for these people in the community in those specific areas and you know the usda supported us by giving us some money to do these programs and get the right amount of food in those markets and then also to make it like snap eligible Uh um so that's not you're not necessarily curing cancer there but you are helping people where they need it so research Programs can be all over. It can be mm-hmm. all different ranges, and um, all are equally important. Yeah, I was going to say that's still life or death, right there. It may not be disease oriented, but it's it's survival oriented, right? I mean, that's yeah. highly yeah. important work, you know. <clears throat> and to have these food deserts in the U.S. where we often think like, you know, this is where we have the most food, and we're only prone to overeating, and that's obviously not true of all pockets of our population, and so. Um, it's highly important. You know, we have them in all areas. We have them in rural and urban areas, right? And so it's highly important. Exactly. But we wouldn't know that if we didn't have those data maps that show us where they are, right? Um, that's exactly. something that would be really exactly. fun, actually, to share with our listeners. Um, if anybody wants to go to our podcast version at anchor.fm slash tune in mindful radio, if you haven't already found us there, um, we'd like to put information like this in the show notes. And so that's something that Busha can share with us after we finish our conversation here and um, and sure, find some sure. of these great uh data maps um, that that honestly are fun. Um, I think that, um, you know, so we've been talking about how data can, can keep us safe, right? But the truth is too, data can be used to harm us when we are not using it correctly, um, sure. right? And so for instance, yep. sometimes we really want to get a message out there and let people know about like, what this data shows could come, right? What if we don't pay attention to the data? Or, you know, how are we doing things? This is new information and we're excited about it, right? And so um, a quick personal story would be when I had my two little boys, when I had my older son, there was like a two-year window where in the uh, maternal health industry, it was all about breast is best and like only breastfeed for the first two years, nothing but breast milk for the first year as much as Uh possible, right? Like all this stuff that honestly, is kind of unrealistic, right? And we're looking at like, this is great. It's a wonderful thing to do. But then it was attached to me and a lot of information I was given, even like, you know, in my little folder coming home from the hospital, right? Like a lot of information that had like, here are the best practices. Some of the best practices between breastfeeding and SIDS were directly 
in opposition to each other. I remember looking at them, putting them side by side, looking at my husband and going, how can I do this? I don't even know what it's like to be a mom yet. And I'm already crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it was so difficult, right? Yeah. And so like, but that here's the thing. Overwhelming it's overwhelming. Anyway. Oh my gosh. That was right. So overwhelming for my brain. But I'll tell you what saved me was ultimately getting access to the raw data. Eventually, there was a mom who I found a great blog post, and her name is Emily Oster, and she does parent data as a great Substack newsletter, and she's all about the data, right? And she released the original findings, and she said, your child is not going to be doomed to a life of hospitalizations and allergies if you don't (laughs) breastfeed for two years. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I was told, right? And it's like, no. Told that by well-meaning people who were just trying to drive home the point, but kind of exaggerated the claims or didn't fact check and double check like how far do these claims go, right? And when she put that all into right. perspective, I was like, oh, thank God. I don't have to drive myself crazy with a second kid. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, you know, that's so true because mm-hmm. we all have to recognize that, and I think we fall into this trap a lot. Um, anytime you may be watching TV and a soda company comes on yeah. and they're like, hey, research shows <laughs> drinking pop so many times a day is not going to be bad for your teeth. Sponsored by the soda company. Yes, right. Right. You know, as I grow older, I realize that doing due diligence on who's funding this is so important. You know, so data can be manipulated in in your vision. You can always slice and dice it for something else. Don't take the whole data and you may have different results. That's where you look back on who is funding this. Mm -hmm. Do they have a, do they have skin in the game? Um, Right. You know, NIH, all those that are are always more credible. Um, but if you were to say like, hey, uh, we'll take your take Parkinson's disease yeah. and they discover discover something and they say, this is what our research shows, this is good for you, rather than um, maybe a drug company that right. sells a Parkinson drug and right. says, ours is so much better than the other ones. Everybody should use us. Mm-hmm. They're just making money. Right. So yeah. You really, yeah. You really have to do your due diligence and find out where the funding source, where the actual interest is of whoever gave you that information. Oh, that's so important. Listeners, you're listening to our conversation with Bushra Rahman, and the show is Tune In, Radio for Your Mind, Body, and Soul. <clears throat> and I'm second guessing the way I pronounce your name every time now, by the you way. You said it so perfectly. <laughs> thank you God. Said it so perfectly. Good. Thank God. <laughs> All right. It takes one to know one, right? It's difficult to say our names. <laughs> our show is underwritten in part by Kiki Productions, Inc., Communications Coaching, teaching exercises to help you cycle out of fight or flight in the moment. With a mission to create individual harmony to add peace to the world, Kiki Productions, Inc.'s philosophy is when you are confident, focused, and authentic with your message, you are a magnet to those you wish to attract. Find out how you can speak your truth with love at coachkiki.com. Subscribe to the newsletters at substack.com. Look for Coach Kiki. And uh, our show is hosted here in Valparaiso, Indiana at WVLP 103.1 FM. Of course, you can also find us on the internet at Spotify for Podcasters, which you can get to quickly at anchor.fm slash tune in mindful radio. You know, we also have a Facebook page, so if you haven't interacted with us there, you can connect with Bushra, with me, with other past guests of the show, and with other audience listeners at facebook.com slash tune in mindful radio. So we are just talking about how this data can be misused, can be used, you know, in, in great ways, obviously, how it really keeps us safe, <clears throat> and how 
we stay safe within those parameters when we do our own due diligence. So um, just for a second to go back to that, like who is sponsoring the data, right? Who's sharing it with you and like what's their skin in the game? Um, I laugh when you when you use that, um, the, the soda soda example, right? Because like go back to like Dr. Pepper in the late 1800s, like they named yeah. it Dr. Pepper and said like, oh, you know, a medical yeah. doctor says this is a way to vitalize and energize. So drink yeah. it at 10 to 4. And that was their whole marketing plan was like, we asked these doctors what they thought and they loved the bubbles and fizz and energy of Dr. Pepper, right? And it's like, there was nothing yeah. healthy about that. <laughs> it was yeah, caffeine and, and, and sugar. Any scientific <laughs> and of mine is in America we've gotten to the stage where either we really want to be informed or we're going to dig for it or we do not yes want to look right we're just going to buy what you sell us yeah I wonder if that's a human experience right yeah go ahead that's what it seems like now is that we are like whatever you tell me I'm going to buy and or I'm going to dig the truth out yeah we've just gotten Mm -hmm. where I don't know if it's we are not as trust trusting as we used to be but um and i think that because of this we've been misled a lot Mm -hmm. um and we're easily misled Mm -hmm. and our lives are so busy no one has time to sit down and find out hey is this source a true source you know we have to find our we have to find the right person telling us the right information but we do i think we do have to do our own research a little bit and figure it out. But we've got, the world has gotten like that now where either we're willing to go for the effort of digging things up or we are just like, okay, I'm going to buy what you're selling. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Because I want to trust. I don't want to know. Denial. My teeth will be fine. (laughs) I'm going to be fine. (laughs) Totally. Isn't it so funny? And then, um, you know, we can always find that echo chamber, right? When we're not trying to like, double blind check and, and, and test yeah. our theories, right? We can always find that. And so, um, and I, it's so interesting to me too, how we used to just put blind faith into certain institutions, right? And then we've seen behind right. the curtain on so many things. <clears throat> and I think that's sort of where we've come to right now, especially in the US where there was so much of that, like this is the way, you know, and like the way has to be this way. And then we would ignore, I think, kind of the canaries in the coal mine. And then sometimes we were like, oh, no, yeah. let's pay attention. And then I don't know exactly what the shift was. But I agree with you. There's been a bigger cultural shift toward this. Yeah. Probably internet, probably pandemic, probably the saturation of podcasts yeah, probably, even, right? Yeah, probably, <laughs> <laughs> probably internet. Yeah. Um, we made it so easy now to just find the information online. And, and really, it's just... It, you don't need to dig deeper and figure yeah. out. Just somebody will tell you. You're like, okay. I trust you. Yeah. <laughs> just like right? Yes. 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 And you know, so it's interesting because I grew up in the era where automated searching was new, right? Uh, in the 80s, library systems, especially universal university library systems, <clears throat> were starting to do the digital. Um, card catalog, right? That's what we called it. Yeah. The digital library yeah. cat- card catalog, right? We had the, had the Dewey Decimal System, which we still have, but we had only had that on these little index cards. And you had certain ways to look up information and to find sure. the book's address, as I tell my kids, right? Um, on the bookshelf. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you, and you had to use these coordinates and that was what it was. And of course, we still have our library systems like that, but I, there's a local library that I take my kiddos to that their children's room does not have 
on the shelving. They have them on the spines of the books, obviously, but they don't have the Dewey Decimal System numbers listed on the shelves. So my kids are like, how do I find this book? And I'm like, pfft. I don't know. Let's go look at the spines and let's, it takes a lot longer to find the books there. And I'm, really I'm like, does. I'm like, why is this even a There's thing no right now? That way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I took my, my great niece this summer. I took her to the library. I thought it'd be great for her to get yeah. books and stuff like that. And she was seven at the, during the summer. Okay. And I said to her, I said, okay, what kind of books do you want to read? And, um, do you know how to look in, uh, do you know how yeah. to find books in the library? And she's just like, looked at me like, right. Why would I do They're that? like, you just asked the librarian. And I think that's what everyone, and I'm like, no, we have to be able to do our own yeah. research, right? This is an important yeah. thing individually yeah. and as humans. And so like, that's what I was going to say though. Like I grew up in that era where like when the digital libraries were new, they taught us how to do Boolean searches. And I think nowadays yeah, people don't yeah. even know that word, right? And I'm like, there's a certain, like, yeah. you put the parameters and I'm like, Google actually works better for you when you do this, right? But you have to, it'll it'll tell you what's sponsored and you have to remember that's the sponsored ad that comes up first. That may not be the best choice, right? right? right. <clears throat> and a lot of people don't realize you can do this on just, Google. Yeah. Go ahead. Right? Unless we know that sponsored word is written right. there, notice it. We just gonna we're just gonna go think, oh, right the first to it. One must be most important. Exactly, and you know, and yeah. I I think back to like web crawlers that used to exist right in the beginning of of before pre pre Google right like what Google based itself right, right. off Internet. of yeah and it was you know and you really wanted one that did a fast search but it just did what now we have AI to do right go out and call all the information <clears throat> and so it's gonna get I think that's like you're you're right I think that inter- we we kind of have circled this what we think might be like the, bar- <laughs> the real answer right about people got either very mistrusting to the point that we have a flat earth movement, right? Or very, very much like this is so overwhelming. I just want to put my blinders on and do whatever someone I trust tells me, right? And and it's kind of polarizing in some ways. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that have busy lives, have whatever's going on. We all do, right? Yeah. We all do. We all have something in our life that's causing extra stress or taking a little bit more brain power than than other items in, in our on our plate but a lot of people that are, I don't watch the news just because I just can't handle it yeah and it, it, there's just so much in the world mm-hmm. that it becomes too much at mm-hmm. times I think you're legitimately fine thinking that but like it, it, my personal belief is we kind of have, have an obligation to know what mm-hmm. is going on in the world. Um, you need to be informed in your in, in your local, your state, your country. It impacts you now. It really does. Yeah. And I really look at it like I, I recently, when we had our general elections just recently, and I went to vote, and I, I kid you not, I must have had 10 people thank me for voting. Oh, good. And they're outside the voting booth before I went into the hall thanking me. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming Good. out. Good. When I walked in there, went to my little station, the five ladies there thanked me after I got done. People thanked me. And mm. I really wanted to kind of shout and say, this is my responsibility. Right. Right. Why are you <clears throat> thanking me? You know, but yeah. I, That's interesting. I, I, first yeah. of all, I, I can't imagine being mean to any of them. Like right. you hear about things in the in the country oh. nowadays, people behaving mm-hmm. badly. I just can't imagine. But secondly, I was just kind of shocked by the fact that they had to thank me. Yeah, yeah. And, and I really, I really wanted to say, 
and I said, oh, no problem. Uh, okay, thank you, whatever. Yeah. Have a nice day. Yeah. But it really, my, I was a little offended. Like, I'm supposed to do this. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm usually thanking them, right? <clears throat> like, thank you, because they're right? volunteers, right? Um, the majority of them are volunteers. And, you know, yeah. I will say, so the last election, I had my sons with me. And um, I was used to previously like oh there's a kiddo like you know these are the rules and be very strict with you know don't talk and we're quiet and we don't look at anybody else's you know whatever and like you know here's where you stand and all this kind of stuff and I'm telling you people were like shaking their hands giving them tours thank you for being here young man and I you know maybe it was because Uh they're older too but also I was just like oh like it was a whole different vibe, right? A whole different vibe right. having them there. <clears throat> and a lot of like, you know, and also I had no line to stand in, which I couldn't fathom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, That's interesting, isn't it? They do a they do a really good job. Yeah. And they're really, really nice people. And what's yeah. funny, when I came home, you know how Facebook tells you, Hey, two years ago this was what you posted. Uh-huh. Two years ago I had posted uh, two, three, or whatever, how many time time previously yeah. had passed. And my comment was, today, all the poll workers were so nice and so mm. friendly. I can't imagine being mean to them. Fast, mm. for, fast forward to today, and I had the exact same feeling. Yeah, good. And, and I mean, they're lovely people. They, mm-hmm. They're doing a really great civic mm-hmm. duty. But it, even then, so many a couple years before, whatever, I had the same thought. This yeah. is my job. This is my responsibility. Why are you having to thank me? Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting. <clears throat> you know, listeners, um, we're talking about our personal experience with this and our personal insights and perspectives. We know that it's a big world, you know, even here in our little neighborhood, our little area. So I always say bring your critical mind and um, we're open to dialogues and conversations. So if you are anti-vote, I don't know. Anybody can think anything, right? We said flat earth already. Like, you know, if you're anti-vote and you want to speak out about that, you can also jump on the Facebook page and have a dialogue with us. I just want to say that too. Um, And Bishra may or may not, you don't have to participate in anything you don't want to. (laughs) Yeah, because freedom of choice. Yeah, this was not really, it was not about anti, it was not about voting. Right. They have to... I, I, yeah, you could say it's and about humanity. Nice people. Yeah, say it's about yeah the duty. About I certainly condone it. Yeah, <laughs> I just have to say, right? I just think it's really yeah. beautiful, and so I think that um, it's a really important subject. I just want to say again to our listeners, you're listening to WVLP 103.1 FM, streaming live around the world at WVLP.org, and uh, don't forget to uh, appreciate our sponsor, Kiki Productions Inc. at CoachKiki.com. And a sponsor, an underwriter, sponsor. I think we, uh, we've we moved into either of those words. We used to be very much more um, like siloed about which words we can say when. And so if I just made a faux pas, I apologize. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think some of that is shifting now um, in the in this in this world, this uh, this um, low power uh, radio world. Um, so let's go back again for a second now to data, right? And to um, the way that it's used, like the microcosm, macrocosm of it, right? And you talked before about this whole timeline and this great, the great way that we we use it to stay safe. And then we also use it to make long-term progress, right? And then you come in and you're helping people. And I said, you know, let's talk also about that humanity part that you, that you do, right? Because in that, that, uh, 
alphabet soup of learning a new organization, right? And all the things, of course, too, that you have to have grant languaging, like all of these important things. And when we're at corporate levels of even research, right? And like who is funding the research sometimes, right? Um, there are there are people to please. There are organizations and, and goals and missions to please, right? And so it's really important. Right. I think that this is something we can learn from wherever we are. This idea, Busher, of balance, right? Of being able to be right. balanced in what we're doing. So knowing that we are being compliant, that we're doing the right thing, and then also choosing a grant that's already on mission for us, right? Like if we use this as like a metaphor for living our lives individually, even if we're not in the grant world, I think listeners can really relate to, how do I look for resources? Ask for help, you know, even like a mom who's joining with a newborn, we already talked about that, right? How do I find help that's on mission and has like the visions and the family values for me, right? And how do we, how do we find that? So just what are some answers and some things that you have used that you help in your consultancy to help people with? I think uh, with my consultancy, what I really try to do is help people focus. Mm. What is it you want to do? And, and I'm sure Kiki, you, you, do this also but what is the long run picture where do you want to be where do you want to be now mm. how to get there and, and um a lot of times people come to me and they'll say well, i want to start a business and i want to do x y and z it's like okay but you've got to go back to a b and c first mm. so sometimes our big picture is too big mm-hmm. and people you know they, they failed before they started <laughs> um that's that's kind of what i was saying earlier to you is that these doctors are trying to find little a b's and c's all researchers i should say try to find the a b and c's to get to x y and z yeah um because that long run is far away Um, right like for even the the food markets you are not going to solve the desert problem you fixed it for a short time or you made better access for people but you are not going to make it so suddenly there's a new grocery store. That 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 might be an, a, a result of something that you started, but you may not be able to do that right away. Mm-hmm. Um, bringing in outside business, places where there's pharmacy deserts, you don't necessarily have the power to bring in Walgreens or to keep them from leaving. Right. But, you know, it really, it goes back to that, you know, that adage of it takes a village. Mm-hmm. One person, it's tough to do, but you have to bring in your um, sources, your supporters, all of these people to get the end result. Mm-hmm. And and in research, it really is. Some people do get lucky where they strike gold, you know, and that's wonderful. But sometimes it's little pieces of nuggets that mm. is all you can do. And then maybe you, you build on that. You get something much bigger in the long run. And we do that with our lives, too, don't mm-hmm. we? Um you know, we every day we have to make decisions, and then we are just thinking about. I want to be such as you want clear. You want great credit. Well, you're not going to get it overnight. Right. You have to work the long run. <clears throat> and you know there are steps, right? Good, yeah. 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 Make good steps. Take good steps. Make good decisions, and um, for your end goal, your end goal. Maybe your end goal is to buy a house to be able to get a mortgage. Um, it, it, it's similar to what I'm saying about the research steps, different different scenario, but similarly. And mm-hmm. I think we kind of, you know, going almost into mindfulness is 
I think um, I think for our own personal lives, that's what we do in our twenties and our thirties. We just keep building off of yeah. it. Yeah. So that hopefully when we reach sixty, seventy, we go, Okay, I can retire. Yeah. Yeah. You right. know, yeah. And you were talking about like from that grant headspace, right? You're like, there's a reason why the Nobel Peace Prize winners are like not young people, Older. right? <laughs> yeah. right, right. <laughs> because, because yeah, you don't, you don't, that, that youthful energy is very important, right? Um, I always think about, gosh, there are so many variations of this concept of like, if I had known it, what I know now back when I was young enough to do all the things, right, oh, yeah. that I, that I want to do, would you even have done them, right? Because, or would you be like, that's foolish? I mean, <laughs> it's so interesting, right? Or would you, yeah, would you have, yeah, it. <laughs> it's so interesting, right? Or, um, I, yeah, and there's, I don't know, there's a song lyric that that's not quite coming to me right, that, um, that is something like that too, like, yeah, um, old enough to know better, young enough to, to do it, I don't know, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, it's so, well, it's so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, Go I was going to say, there's a song by AJR, and they say, um, from, I'm too, I'm too young to, uh, to, oh, I've, no, I'm, yeah, I feel like I'm so close, yes. somebody, somebody write in. Yeah, it's something like that, it's something, I'm too yeah. old to do this, or I'm too young to do this. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. actually one of my favorite lines from that song. Oh, man. That's so funny. what it is. Yeah, if we could go back, what would we do over, what would we not do, um, it's a, it's, that might be a whole other podcast. Oh my right? gosh, seriously. Yeah. I mean, like, like not just like an episode, but like a whole show, right? For <laughs> learning from our mistakes. But that, <clears throat> that is a really important piece of this. And you've done a really great job of bringing us back to, to this concept of how, you know, the long, the long-term mission is putting all the puzzle pieces together, right? Taking that village, right. everyone doing their little part. And so I think, you know, obviously it's the same thing in moving humanity forward. If we're trying to get rid of food deserts. First, we have to identify with it where they are on the map, for instance, yeah. right? If we're trying to cure cancer, right? It's really about like which cell, you know, which parts of the chromosomes do we turn off and on or whenever, right? Like which parts of the cell, cellular, whatever, how do we reconstruct, da-da-da. Clearly not a cancer researcher right here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, gobbledygook. I'm just going to nod my head. Yeah, yep. uh-huh. yeah sure, sure, lady. <laughs> But, you know, you know what I'm trying to say, and hopefully listeners do too, right? This concept of like putting these little pieces together and doing like each piece that is ours to do. And so I I do think it really is so important that this is one thing that's highly empowering to everybody who's listening right now, wherever we are, is this idea that what is ours to do is what we do. And we do it if we do it from a sense of that intention, from that sense that we are adding to the fabric of humanity, from that sense that we are helping to move forward and that we can do that with peace and confidence and grace for others who may disagree and with curiosity Mm -hmm. and with dedication Mm -hmm. we can bring all those things together and we can really move forward and that in itself is a form of mindfulness how we take our action and how we show up with each other in that way yeah yeah it's a it's a difficult life it's a difficult world yeah and we have to find our own little place in it um Sometimes the roadblocks that come seem really overwhelming, but we all get roadblocks. We all get roadblocks. You just roadblocks. don't know what. Yeah. yeah. You just don't know what it's going to be. And and I used to, um, you know, here I was a, a, a director. I had a great job. Was a director making decisions all day, directing people to do this and that, making sure that long term project, whatever I was working on, was 
successful. Yeah. But when I came home and I had to be mom, I had to be head of household, had to be all these things. I was like, just don't want to make decisions. Yeah. Oh, that's so common, isn't isn't it? it? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Women Mm -hmm. do this all the time. It's it's just somebody else to make the decision for you. Yeah. And I used to do that same thing. Hey, where do you want to go to dinner? I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I'm too tired to think. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I made I made a promise to myself when I was in my late 30s that I would make any decision that I had to make by myself, getting as much you know information as I could for the moment, and I would not regret it, whether it oh. came out bad, whether mm. it came out good. Um, this was going to be what, what I did to bring stability to my world, my mm-hmm. personal world, and I was just not going to spend a life of, oh, man, I should have done it differently. Yeah. Because at that time, when I made that decision, that was the best decision I could have made at that moment. Mm. Whether it turned out poorly, whether it turned out good. And honestly, it really did help me um, in life going forward. And I still practice that. Like, I, love I, it. I don't go back and say, gosh, I should have done that again. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. You and I mentioned if we could go back to our younger selves. Yeah. If I could go back, I'd go back to my 20-something. Okay. I wouldn't go back to that 30-something that made mm. that decision at that time with what she was working with. Okay. Because that's just my one way of you can go back to mindfulness. Yeah. I do not want to live a life of regret. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to seek advice from every single person because you know what happens. You seek advice from 10 people, you get 10 different ideas. And in yeah. the end, it's still your decision. Yeah. <clears throat> for sure so right that was the promise i made to myself that you're gonna do it the best you can and you're gonna keep moving what you're talking about is decision fatigue right <clears throat> and i think that that's a great way to break that awful cycle that vicious cycle of yeah. decision fatigue right to be able to say like i will be secure and whatever the outcome is with this decision because i know it's the best decision i can make right now and so then later when I get the consequence, I don't beat myself up for it. And then it starts to really clear up headspace. Did you find that that's how that worked for you? Yes. Yes, it really does. And it's like people who ask all, you know, ask a thousand opinions, they drive me a little buggy. Cause I'm just like, you are the one yeah. that's got to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to have people saying, I told you so. Right. Because yeah. you really don't. It, yeah. it's, it comes down to, it's not an excuse at that time you did best you could. And sometimes you do. So, man, I wish I'd made that right. better. But but it's a way to keep your sanity. Yes. Right? Yes. And, you know, this is what I love about this show, by the way. Like, so here we are. We're talking about, like, grants and data and, you know, financial <laughs> compliance. And, you know, and then we're and all of a sudden here we are drilling down to <clears throat> a hack for breaking out of decision fatigue, you know, because – all this is relevant in this way, right? And it's relatable in this way. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, and I just love that. And that's why, again, this is why I don't script or, you know, come up with questions for people because <laughs> this conversation, you can't beat it. And this is where we find the gold. And I think that, Busher, you've helped us find the gold in this, right? Like, this is something that's so wonderful, being able to say, like, I am confident and comfortable with this decision. And I, you know, it goes back to grant writing in this way too, right? I'm pitching for this. I'm finding something that I believe is on mission, perhaps, you know, an organization gets this, it doesn't give them enough, right? They have to like look for more resources later. Like these are all outcomes that can surely happen. And that's okay because it's a lesson learned still, right? 
So I think that we can use that like we're like we're saying, we can find a way to use that sort of metaphor and say, like, how do I cast my net out there for resources and be open and curious, but also intentional. And um, yeah, it's a great way to live. I love that. I love that. I love what you said about the decision making. That's great. I really found that as a single mom, as the head of household, Mm -hmm. you got this little person who is waiting for you to make all the decisions. Yeah. There's no one else. That's a big job. Yeah. It is a really big job. Such a big job. And, and then meanwhile, you're still trying to hang on your job job that's got to bring in all the dough and you are just like, how do I do it all? And it really was something that came to me all at once and I've lived by, I'm in my fifties now and I really still follow that rule. And I, and, and I do tell other women this rule. It's like, look, you do the best you can. No one can ask you to do more than that. Yeah. Yeah, that's they right. Really can't. It, yeah, they like, can. They can ask, can. but we don't have to say yes to it. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Even if they say, oh, you could have done better. Yeah. You know if you could have done better or not. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and some, and I think we're hard on ourselves when we yeah. go, yeah, I could have probably not napped at that time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, yeah. Maybe, <clears throat> I know. maybe did a few more reps on that machine. Yeah. But, but still, in the grand scheme of things, if life is difficult, we all have difficulties in our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and and the other thing I really think is helpful is when we have these habits of we get down on ourselves, like, oh, why me? Why did this happen right. to me? You know, a, a while back I started thinking, well, why not me? Oh, I love it. What, yeah. is, what is so special in me that I would not get this? disease or I would not get this, I would not lose my job or I would not, these circumstances where life comes down on you or something tragic happens, what is there about me that would prevent me from getting that or be exempt Mm -hmm. me from getting Mm -hmm, that? mm -hmm. And and I think that's a way of going back to that humble word you used earlier is, is, you know, remembering that we are all equal. Yeah. We are the same people, you know, yes, medically, there's some things that, that genetically hit one race or gender or whatever more than others, but what would prevent me from getting something that somebody else has? Yeah. Right. Why would I think that I'm above it? I'm not special. Exactly. Right. I mean, I love that too. And that's been something that has been very liberating for me, um, is this idea that everybody has hardship, right? So I, it's the same thing you're saying, just like different terms. Like, you know, I love that. Why not me, right? Like, and this idea, it's helped me to stop personalizing the negative things that do come up for me. Like, everybody has right. hardship. And I like this idea, too, that we get to choose our hard, you know? And that's something I'm trying to, like, say to my guys who are still in elementary school, my, my children, like this concept of, like, you know, you get to choose your hard. You can either lament that this is your issue or you yeah. can work toward overcoming the issue. They're both hard, right? Which one do you want to do? Yeah. Right. Which one is going to help you get through it? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And if you get bogged down with the why me, why me, it's harder to get out mm-hmm. of that. It, That's it been my experience too. makes this shroud over you of negativism. negativism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Negativity. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Nevi- yeah and not being able to find the resources then, right? Instead yeah. of looking at like, okay, why not me? This happened. How do I get out of this? Yeah. I guess, sir. I feel like it, it, 
the thinking part that you get to comes faster when you when you yes. stop feeling sorry for yourself and the life is not out to just get you it's right. just the way life works it's out to get all of us yeah <laughs> It's yeah. so liberating, though, to know that. I mean, like, and also I think, and I, you know, I don't know, I'm sorry to listeners who've heard this before and you don't want to hear it anymore, but uh, it's it's <laughs> been something that has been, again, kind of a light bulb for me. So I, I, I keep coming back to this idea that, like, we do all die. You know, we spend so much yeah. time chasing, like, not having death. And I don't want to say, like, let's not fight toward eradicating diseases, right? I don't want to say that. I just also want to accept that death is a part of the life cycle. Not just for nature, but for me, because I'm part of nature, you know? And so, like, coming to that sense of peace, right, my goal is how do I die well? And that's where I say we can still work toward, like, all these research programs and eradicating diseases and, you know, overcoming things. We're not going to get rid of all disease. I know that. And also, I'm totally pro, like, do what you can to research as much as possible to know about this disease, to know how to overcome it, right? To know, can we get rid of it, right? To know that others will be coming along behind it because death is part of the life cycle and viruses and bacteria were some of the first life on earth, right? And so we're not going to get rid of them because that actually gets rid of us. But strangely enough, when I embrace that, then I get permission to be able to figure out how do I die well? How do I live my best life? and come to dying well. Do you have any ideas for how you're going to do that today, Bushra? <laughs> Big questions at the end of the interview. <laughs> um, <laughs> living my best life. Yeah. Um, somebody said that to me once. I you live, is this your best life? Uh-huh. My God, I hope it's better than this. <laughs> Please don't tell me this is the best because there's room for improvement. Now. So the like, best means always looking for better too. Yeah. 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 We should keep looking for better. There's, there, there's got to be another step we can mm. go. There's a, something else that makes you happy. But, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that um, 20s and 30s, they're a great time to be yeah. alive. Um, people get, especially women, we get really upset when we turn 40 and mm. 50. But you know what? Those are the best times, especially when you turn 40, which is pretty hard on most women. Mm. Um I don't know what we expect to have achieved before we reach 40 or what it is, but you know what? It's, it's a time when you know who you are. Yeah. You know what you're doing, where you're going, who you want to be with. And if you stop and think about it like that, rather than again, why, why me? Why have I turned yeah. 40? Right. <laughs> I, I've got a few friends who are struggling with 40s mm, and 50s. Okay. And it really, those times, you really are in a better place. Mm. The fun, you may not be having as much fun as you had in your 20s and 30s, <laughs> but you as a person are a lot more stable, secure. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to say, you hopefully, you- yeah, hopefully you're having fun in a different way, right? Like Different way, yeah. yeah. It's different now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Oh, man. I that Okay, so last little, little snippet, little anecdote. Uh, the first time I ever took my kids to the circus, right? And apologies for people who are anti-circus, right? But the first time I ever took my kiddos to the circus, and um, and we did ride an elephant, and um, and then uh, one of my friends was like, "Oh my gosh, that was so amazing! I've never been on an elephant." And I said, "I rode an elephant through the jungles of Thailand," and I was like, "That was amazing!" And I go, "You know what? This was better because I had my little boys with me, and they were so little yeah. at the time." And I was like, "I never thought I would say that, you know." And again, sorry for everybody who doesn't believe in. <laughs> animals like it's one of those things that you're doing and you're like oh man but also it's so fun and cool and different (laughs) so anyway (laughs) yeah 
Um, you know, and I think that too, that even just that, like being able to frame everything with like pros and cons is something that is kind of novel for where we are right now globally. And I think that it's kind of scary fun in its own way, right? Like afraid to offend people, afraid to know, learning different things and also like awesome. It gives us so much more possibility. Well, when you go back in that pros and cons, then you make your decision and if you say to yourself, this, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it turns out you were wrong. You can learn from it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love it. Oh my gosh. Um, I have really enjoyed our conversation today with Busher Raymond. You. This is, I know I did it wrong again. Ramon. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, got it, got it, got it. We're, I'm gonna. I'm, here's what I'm doing. I'm messing it up so that I can correct myself and people can remember oh, your name. You like that? That's a great plan. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. All right. You're doing it right though. It's worth it. I have been your host, Keila Parkinson, and this is Tune In. It's radio for your mind, body, and soul on WVLP 103.1 FM. I have really enjoyed this conversation with Bushra, and uh, you can find her on LinkedIn, and you can connect with her. Um, again, we're going to connect at our Facebook page, and uh, it's been so fun to talk about this. We we had a very broad topic laid out, and uh, I think yeah. that this has been super fun. How was your experience? I enjoyed it. I awesome. can't believe how quickly the time went by. I know. It's and, so uh, fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything we haven't said that you want people to, you want to leave people with? No, I think we've said it all. We need to all um, really think about what's happening in the world and be more informed of whatever. Putting your head in the sand about what's the yeah. horrible things in the news. Long run, it's, we should want to know because we do care about other people. People are genuinely nice yeah they want the best for you they and they want the best for themselves and maybe if we treat each other a little bit nicer it'll be a better place in the world right that's a great goal and i think that's doable (laughs) right we can do that we can hold a door for somebody today right and i mean you might think that's like super cheesy and not helpful but how many times has it just like shifted you out of your mood when somebody just smiled at you and held the door for you right 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 or if you're my son i'll have walked through and he's holding the door for the next 10 people <laughs> you're like get over here you don't have to get, yeah you don't have to get everyone taking it too far <laughs> just kidding <Yeah. laughs> awesome thank you again for being on the show i'm so grateful that you're here and listeners we will see you later meditators